listening to The Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Hey, John. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. Tom, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. I was a little worried there, John. I thought you were, thought you were going to forget who sponsored the show. <laughs> I, it's been a long weekend. We were just in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for Tuned Up. and We had a good time. We did. It's a uh, show season is upon us. It was so, kind of neat to see people who knew knew the Iceman. I know. That was actually probably the highlight of the whole weekend is when someone was talking to me and they said, hey, I recognize your voice. And I was like, uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> what did I do? And they go, I listened to you in the car on the way here. I'm like, awesome. Cool. So I had to you know, tell my wife and said, hey, look, somebody's actually listening to it. We're got, internet famous, John. I got two people that listen to me, and Tom, it's not I my mom. You, I told you you weren't at the bottom tub. Did anyone ask where our producer Tom was? It didn't come up. Uh, it didn't come up. No, nope. no. Nope. <laughs> but then I got uh, drug over to the ice uh, ice camp outfitters booth, and they made me do a little impromptu interview as well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get pulled into that one. Well, I was walking by. I think it was more of a. I think maybe you're still a little bit higher up than I am. Yeah, like I'm not nine hundred ninety nine. I'm nine hundred ninety eight. You're you're up there. Well, welcome everyone to the show. We're glad to be here again. We're trying real hard to keep this consistent. So this is three weeks in a row. Three Mondays in a row. Feeling pretty good about I'm this, I'm missing right? my Monday night football. I know. We got a guy on the line who's not missing Monday night football, though. So welcome, everybody, to our guest this week, Nick Lacan of Lacan Marine. Nick, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I'm super you, you excited. You got it right, Dan. I know. You know, if I would have gotten Nick's name wrong, Nick, I don't know if you've listened to the show, but I have a history of calling guests by the wrong name, and it is, <laughs> it's been ugly, but... The, the first time was a joke. The second one was not a joke. The second time it was very obviously not a joke. But That's you, okay. I don't feel bad. I don't remember customers' names all the times either. So. But they expect you to, and you're like, yeah, I remember you. You probably remember the face, right? Always their face and why they bought, but never who they are. Well, I don't know if I could possibly forget your last name because I've seen it on my web browser about 9,000 times this year. <laughs> Yeah, you had to be a patient man. You waited a long time for a new boat, like a lot of other people. So It was definitely worth the wait. So listeners to the show, Nick will know that I've been talking about the boat adventure quite a bit this year, and I was really excited to get a chance to have you on and talk about the whole process. So John and I are both Alumacraft owners. Yep, and I regretfully say I did not buy mine from Nick Lacan, which I should have. And I, my next boat I will buy from Nick Lacan because that's just my dealer basically handed me my boat and said, you're done. And then I was spent the next year trying to figure out what prop I was supposed to be running, not the pontoon prop they handed me. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's, uh, that makes it kind of tough to enjoy your, your purchase. It was, it was a great tubing prop, but it was, I mean, whole shot, unbelievable whole shot. It just nothing else. Yeah. There was nothing else. I mean, I'm like, why is my 17, five, Suzuki or a Lumacraft with a 140 Suzuki go 30 miles an hour. Well, I know that when my dad bought his Bayliner, we bought from the same place that you bought your Lumacraft, John, and we had exactly the same experience of, okay, the check cleared. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> and mine was like, I, I asked questions and the guy was like angry with me. I'm like, I just, I just wanted to ask questions. I asked him if a, a stainless prop would help me. And he's like, I don't know, buy one. I'm like, you're the dealer. Just like, I'm trying to like spend money here. Just tell me what I need to get. Well, yeah, yeah. we had a guest on the show last winter, Nick, who I know that you're familiar with, John Thielen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was talking to John about being 
pretty close to being ready to pull the trigger. I had my wife just about dialed in. And, uh, and when it finally came time, I said, you know, who, who do I go to? And I know John knows all the Illumicraft guys in the business and your name was at the top of his list. And so I was super excited to get the chance to, to work with you through, you know, through that connection. And, uh, it was not, uh, you know, it wasn't a, the super easiest process, but it had nothing to do with the dealership. It had everything to do with supply chain. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a struggle uh, at best. We we just can't get any information from the manufacturers, and I think they're uh, they're dealing with the same problems because of logistics. They just don't know when they're going to get stuff. They don't know what they're paying for it, and uh, there's just a very long line of communication issues right now between OEMs, dealers, and customers. It seems like. Yeah, and you have. How many different manufacturers do you guys run down at Lacan? Well, we got two bolt lines, three motor lines, and then uh, ATV plus ATVs and side by side. So we have a little bit of everything. So there you go, Dan. You've I been know. Ta- you just talked about a Polaris ATV. You might as well just drive and, right down there and pick it well, up. Well, do you know what website's open on my phone right now? I was, I was literally just on Lacan Marine looking at Polaris. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're tough to get too. Everything uh, everything's pretty tough to get right now. Motors, ATVs, side by sides. Uh, we're forecasting six to eight months out on almost all orders. Really? What? I mean, just in your opinion, what do you, what do you think? Like that's gonna is is it ever gonna get better, or is it just kind of kind of perpetual? This is gonna be the new normal because it's been like, I mean, I know for me, I've been trying to buy a one forty uh, cowl because my daughter punched a hole in mine, mm-hmm. um, and it, there's just nothing available or if you find one there's a you know a double premium on it or something like that it's just the supply chain just seems to be broken right now well you gotta remember if you watch the news and you see that all the issues logistics with things coming from overseas you know and you have 70 to 80 boats sitting out on that that's floating out in the ocean waiting to be unloaded by crane operators uh forklift operators and things that the, the labor force isn't there so there's a bunch of different issues um I think the labor force is there within the factories to get the work done, but the logistics of getting the product to the dealers is the problem right now. There's yeah. Probably a lot to do with regulation and stuff. You can't, I mean, we've trucking has been so regulated for so long that, you know, having just a attitude of let's get stuff done is probably not there anymore. There's too much bureaucratic tape at the moment. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, cause you find some hot shot, you know, 20 year old kid who wants to run 60, 70 hours a week. He probably legally can't do that anymore. Yeah. They're just having a tough, everyone I'm talking to with all the different OEMs are having a tough time finding workers, you know, and every drive by there's hiring signs, you know? So I think, uh, I think there's a shortage of labor, shortage of material. There's a lot of things working against us right now and it's going to take a good, everything they're protecting 18 to 24 months before it's going to normalize again. Well, I know that we're feeling the labor shortage here at tuned up. Yeah. We, I mean, we had a now hiring signed for online for a while. Went right. through applicants. I think we've hired and fired five people since that ad ran. Um, and right. the problem is, we get people for like a week or two, and they're like, oh, "I don't like this," or "I don't, I don't feel like working." And I'm like, "Well, it's still work. I mean, it's not like fantasy camp. I mean, we all can't have Dan's job." <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> some people actually want to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough market. I think all the way around, I know I'm a teacher and there's, you know, a ton of shortage for substitutes and for paras and it's, it's, it's a global issue right now. My wife is a recruiter and she, she is going through, 
the same struggles of trying to get people to, to sign up for jobs, even really good jobs. Yeah. And it's, well, it's, it's just, it's hard because it's hard to find candidates to work. And now we're, we're no longer hiring on skills or I don't even look at a resume. I just, I talk to people for 20 minutes and if they got some gumption and want to want to work hard, I think that's the best, the best solution. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of issues with employment right now. I mean, we I was interviewed by somebody last week that came in the store, uh, basically interviewing on behalf of our centers and whatever to ask some questions about you know certain situations and things that are going on in the center right now. And one of them was government wanting to mandate vaccinations um, and asking an, our, our opinion on it. And I said, well, you know, I mean, everybody has a different opinion on it, but as an employer, it would make it even harder for me to retain employees if I was to force a vaccination on my employees, you know, and that's, that's a tough thing to say because everybody has different opinions both ways. But uh, knowing my staff, I know I have employees that would walk if they were forced to have a vaccination, you know, and if they do that, that's going to make it harder and harder to find good employees out in the workforce. Yeah. I think anytime new hurdles or new challenges are put in, put in the way of employment, it's going to be a deterrent for a lot of people. Right. I mean, this is a market where people want the best opportunity and the best pay and the best hours and anything that gets in the way is, that's not, that's not, that's not helpful. Yeah, they don't want that. I mean, and their people are very passionate about the vaccine, very passionate both yeah. ways. Yeah. Yep. And you got to respect opinions on both sides of it, you know, but uh, I, I don't think forcing people hand, or people's hands is probably, probably the right answer, but um, I understand what they're trying to do too. You know, they're trying to save lives. So it's a, uh, it's a tough gig. My wife's a, my wife's a nurse and, uh, works for a lineup at uh, one of the hospitals up in the metro, and and they have chosen um, forced termination essentially to, to employees that will not get vaccinations, and uh, they've lost a lot of good doctors and nurses, and it's uh, it's sad, it's sad. And I find that just insane, especially at a time when the healthcare industry is just being crushed by demand. Right. Exactly. Yep. I mean, Tom, you see it too, right? Tom's a Tom's a ambulance dispatcher yep oh yeah it's every everywhere you look it's you know we they, they can't find a bed for anyone or if they do it's half two you know two states away and you know it's they're shipping people all, all over the place and and i th- i think one of the biggest arguments that uh, some of these people have that are not wanting to get forced to get vaccinated is like okay well we worked for almost an entire year before there was even a vaccine available, you know, and now you're going to force us to get one. So, right. I mean, I, I understand, I understand, like you said, both sides of the, of the situation. And I got the, I chose to get the vaccine myself. I was happy to get it, but I, I don't like the, I don't like the whole forcing of the issue. Right. People should have the ability to make a choice, but it's a, it's a tough one for the entire world. That's for sure. I don't think the mandates are going to actually achieve the goal either. I mean, Tom and I have two brothers who aren't vaccinated, and I don't think there's anything that they could do to them to make them get vaccinated. Right. So, Maybe give yeah. them a boat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that worked for me. Yeah, that, that worked <laughs> it for would you. not work for them. <laughs> but I, I got vaccinated for a totally different reason. I wanted to see my father-in-law in the hospital and just even get a chance to. They wanted you vaccinated. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to lie about it. I'll just go and take my lumps and get shot. And after I grew a third arm, I was fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I got vaccinated because I didn't want to get sick. Yeah. I mean, I it's mean simple it, as that. I don't want uh, the same reason I get a flu shot. I don't want to get the flu. I didn't want to get COVID. So I'll get a shot. But 
I, it was a choice that I got to make. I don't like the idea of people not getting to make the choice. No, it's, it's a little bit about liberty and freedom at some point. Right. I mean, it's, to me, it starts getting a little too close to home. Like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this. You, you told me for a year, I can't go outside. I can't drive up to Canada. I can't fish. You know? Well, the whole tough, the whole tough thing is I found people are getting angry with each other because they're having conversations about things that's essentially being forced on by the government. Right. You know, I've never talked politics in my store ever. And in the last two years, I found myself getting drawn into conversation with customers regarding politics versus Donald Trump, Joe Biden, vaccinations, and things I just would never talk about with customers. And and it, there's a lot of sourness in the world and a lot of angry people over what's going on. And, and it's hard to keep people patient. And I know, Dan, you've seen a lot of it because a lot of the forums that I follow, um, public media forums, and you see the way some people handle the things that are going on. They just don't understand and they don't want to believe it. And they get angry, you know, and, and it's been a tough two years uh, trying to almost be a therapist to everybody you talk to, you know, and there's a lot of mental health issue, issues out there right now that are going to be the next biggest problem, you know, and that's what's scary. No, I, I totally agree. I see it. I, I see that all the time, you know, with the, I, I think what what is weird now is that people feel like they have the right to know what you believe when there's there's no reason that there's no reason that people should have information that I find private about myself. I tell my right. students that all the time is that you know because I, I I teach I teach kids about politics. I teach kids about how government works. I don't ever teach them about opinions, and I tell them that at the, you know my goal is for you to have no idea who I like and don't like. I'm super glad you're a teacher and not me. And I 100% don't. (laughs) Well, and I tell them, I I don't want to know who they like or don't like. I have no interest in knowing because it's not going to make any difference to me. It's not going to change my mind. And I'm sure not going to try to change their mind. When I don't like, I mean, a lot of people try to force their opinion on you. Like, oh, you need to like this person. Well, no, I don't need to like this person. Yeah, I I don't care. It it, it has strained a lot of, I know... My, my friendships have, some of them have soured because of this, where they're like, you know, you shouldn't get vaccinated. I said, well, my father-in-law is in the hospital. They told me I need to get vaccinated. So my first thing is not to think why I need to get vaccinated. It's to think, hey, I can go see him or I can have the potential to go see him. Or also, if I get COVID and give it to him, I'm going to feel resp- 100% responsible for something. It was a personal choice. Yeah. And I shouldn't, I don't, I never thought I had to justify that to people that I knew, but it was, you know, I had a friend say, oh, you're just drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm like, yeah, because that was the first thing I was thinking of. Right. I'm real hard to argue with because I really don't give a shit what other people want to do. You know, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to convince me. So I don't, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not, I have no interest in convincing you and I have no interest in being convinced by you. I and wish that, you'd have told me I could have said shit before this whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're welcome to swear. No, we're trying to keep it clean. <laughs> you know what? I'm just this. <laughs> Dan, come on. We gotta have one episode without an F bomb. <laughs> Sorry. <Right. laughs> I just went to an ice show. I got to say all the F bombs I could. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I like about my job. I can do whatever I want. We meet a lot of fun people. Uh, I mean, the boat shows and everything else. I I've you know, we've been doing this I mean I'm forty three and I've been doing this since I was eight years old and I've met a lot of people, a lot of great people, and I, that I would never have met not doing what I'm doing. And it's it's fun, and we enjoy it. 
yeah, looking forward to the boat show again here in January for the first time in a few years, you know, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we can see a lot of people there. I'll be there. I might come down. I'm, I'm going to upgrade. You should. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You've I, got value. You've I, got a boat with value right now. And I, I, I would be, I'd be willing to bet your boat's probably worth more now than what you paid for it. I, I know it's worth more now and I paid off a huge chunk of it and I'm like kind of itching a little bit. You should you check out. Probably, you probably increase the value when you put the right prop on it. <laughs> I, I did put the right prop on it. It's right weird. Prop. I gained almost double the fuel economy and 10 miles an hour. Yeah, weird. Weird, weird how that works. Can I ask yeah. an amateur question about that? Like, doesn't the boat get shipped with the prop attached already? Like, the proper prop? Like, yeah. shouldn't that just be, no. like, a, a given? They literally no. put a pontoon prop on my boat because I think that's all they make. Is all they rig is pon- pontoon boats. Yeah, they don't come with props from the factory. So the dealer has to, in essence, put the correct prop on there for you. Why? Why? So, why is it? Why does it work that way? Well, because you put a hundred and forty horse motor that's supposed to run six thousand RPMs on a pontoon that weighs four thousand pounds, versus a boat that weighs two thousand pounds, it's going to require more torque to get the RPMs that it needs. So, like, so essentially, you have to change the pitch of the prop to accommodate the size of the boat that you're putting it on. So you're buying the boat from a factory, and then you're buying the engine from somewhere else, and then the engine, the prop is set correct. up for whatever the correct boat is. Well, like so that I mean, likely. Yeah, I mean, we do all, we do all of our own installs on everything that we sell. So some some dealers can order like you can order some of your motors factory installs from the manufacturer. Some send away props, some don't. Uh, right now, nothing that we sell comes with props from the factory except for our Vexus fiberglass boats. They all come propped and ready to go right from the factory. That makes sense. That's so interesting. what prop would you recommend? Maybe I should ask you that. Suzuki 140 on a Lumencraft Trophy 175. Oh, you know, I'm more of a Yamaha guy, so I know the Yamaha props. Oh. Are better. <laughs> you got to be probably running around an 18 to a 20 pitch aluminum prop on the back of that. So yeah. I was, I'm running a 21 stainless. It has been really, really good. I, I do use the pontoon prop for tu- tubing, so I break my kids' necks. Right. <laughs> right. I, you mentioned a little bit there a second ago, Nick, that the internet forums and those things where people talk. And I, I thought when I, when I was looking for boats, and, and actually I should say when I finally did decide on, on getting a boat and going through you guys, then I joined the Illumicraft Facebook page. And it was really eye-opening how many people were having bad experiences around. And, yeah, you see and, it a lot. You see, I, I was I was really kind of surprised by that, and I know that there are a lot of people who have limited patience and who don't handle um, adversity well. And you know, being being ha- being forced to wait can be challenging for a lot of people. I mean, it was not easy for me either, but I, the way people reacted was surprising, and I'm I'm sure yeah. that you got some pretty intense voicemails coming your way at times. Yeah, I mean, you know, some, sometimes people get upset, and the biggest thing is communication, you know, and, and I kept basically under my desk production reports every month that were sent to us from Lumacraft, and they were changing, you know, and I, if I remember when you bought your boat, it was due in April, mm-hmm. and it came in June or July, if I, if I recall, July. it was three or four months, yeah. yeah, we still have some boats that we had last September that still aren't in. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard. And if, I mean, you've got to be making a ton of phone calls and their sales guys were getting burnt out because people call every day in it. And we have service customers calling every day and they're constantly tying up the phone lines because I get it. They want to know. But when you're, when you're dealing with so much influx of, 
availability issues, service issues. We were sending out boats that weren't finished. Trolling motors and depth finders are missing. And these guys are tying up the phone lines. And you got a guy that's broke down trying to get through and he can't get through. That's the guy who's upset. You know, that's the guy that really lays in you because he needs assistance on the water. And you can't get to him because he can't get through on a phone line. You know, and that's that's what's tough. But, um, you know, it's 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 been a different year this year and you know I, I my staff handled i think did a very good job handling the situation uh i was as involved as i could be with all the customers letting them know where i was at from an owner standpoint and you know i it, i think that helped a lot of people but um you know unfortunately they didn't get their summer back but uh, it was out of our hands well i know for me personally and from what i saw on that on just on the different forums lacan's got a lot of props People were, people were uh, very... That's a good pun. <laughs> yeah, see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. I got pontoon props too. There you go. <laughs> I, no, I, I got one for you too. <laughs> but the, uh, but I, I didn't see that, that, that same level of shade thrown, thrown your way. I saw a lot of, a lot of people being very positive and upbeat about the experience. And for me, I mean, I, I tried real hard not to be a huge pain in the ass, but I'm sure that there were times when, my salesman, Dan, was like, oh, cripes, here comes that guy again. But at yeah. the same time, it was awesome just to know that if I did have a question or if I was looking for an update, uh, you know, the phone was always available. And I never got the feeling of being a bother, which, you know, I trying hard not to be a bother, but at the same time, being impatient was hard for me. But it was really refreshing to know that that I, I could get updates, uh, you know, I, I could make a phone call and I could get through and I could send an email if I needed to. And that was, that made the process a lot easier. And, yeah. and I, and I, I felt, I felt like, like everyone was being honest and upfront, you know, there wasn't uh, I didn't feel like there was any like bait and switch with the timeline or whatever. It just, I mean, whenever I talked to you or whenever I talked to Dan, it was always just, yeah, this, Here's, here's what's going on. You know, it sucks. I'm sorry, but here's yeah, what is happening. Well, and, and we really got caught off guard, too. We've never had this happen before. You know, every time we've had production dates, them boats have come in. This is the first year, and it was just, it was, man, we got barraged. I, I think when the the pushback um, on the production started, we had 196 boats on order that were supposed to come in in April and May and June that didn't show up. So it was 196 customers that weren't happy, and it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy. Um, most most people understood, you know, but you had your people that just uh, it doesn't want to match. It doesn't matter what you tell them; they they don't believe you. You know, they're they're upset. They want to yell. They want to scream. And you know, unfortunately, you get to pacify them a little bit, and just you got to make sure you're dishonest and upfront. Did anyone cancel their order over the wait? Oh, of course. Yeah, we had people cancel the orders. You know, maybe found something used, or what I've seen a lot of people happen in the in the use and this goes to to your used boat because the new stuff's not available. People were going on a fishing trip. They were overpaying for used boats just to get something, you know? So a lot of people due to timing, if they couldn't get what they needed for new, uh, because of availability reasons, something used popped up, they jumped on it immediately, you know? So you've seen that quite a bit. Um, I would say more people didn't cancel because of frustration or whatever else. They just, you know, they either found another option, you know, something became available, you know, which, uh, I don't blame them. Summer's only so long and people only have so much time off. And when you're dealing with people's vacation time with their families, that's important. And we understand that value and we wouldn't crucify anybody. And we leave the door open if they ever need service or anything in return after the fact. 
Uh, so, you know, hopefully a lot of them will come back for something or call if they need anything because we'll, we'll take care of them. So, I know I got my boat when I did because somebody canceled on their motor. Yeah. So my yeah, motor, I got the motor earlier than I was supposed to, mm. which right. worked out great. <laughs> do you, you want to know when? Do you want to know when your motor came in? <laughs> kind of. About three weeks ago. <laughs> oh oh God. man, Dan would have been losing his mind. <laughs> that would that would have yep. been hard. I would have just been out on Lake uh, Harriet with the trolley motor. You might have got yeah. some. You might have got some uncensored voicemails then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, even like I said, we can't get answers. We can get answers from the boat manufacturers, but the motor manufacturers are essentially they they you know they're being upfront. They're like, we can't tell you when you're going to get product. Well, and we I just th- can't tell you. I think it's a lot of it. Like, I mean, I'm an owner of tuned up, and you, you get a one small part that is critical, and you yeah. can't get that part. You can't really sub anything in there, and you end up having to wait for it, even though you get five hundred of these things ready to go you you cannot finish it without that one part right and that well, is really hard sometimes well they had council configurations they had elbow fittings for live wells that were holding up boats being shipped and then when they did get them in they didn't have truck drivers to haul them you know it was just it was it was just like comedy of events it was one thing after another then the stuff would come in and trolling motors weren't available you know and oh it was just crazy we were i had just a laundry list of stuff for guys who were taking boats with no trolling motors uh, wrong depth finder, or not, I shouldn't say wrong depth finders, but we were allowing them to use like a rental depth finder because the depth finder they ordered wasn't in it. It just, it was just a mess. Um, but I, I think we took care of it as best as we could, but a lot of customers are really good to work with. So what does it look like then for next year? I've, I've heard that the 2022 models are already, already spoken for. Um, I've got a showroom full. Oh, you do? Ooh. I do. It's on. It's on catalogs and brochures. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. they're there. They're That's there. awesome. I mean, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say I got a ton to available to sell, but there's. Um, I probably got twenty Illumicrafts in my showroom right now, but I don't have motors for all of them. You know, so it's just that aspect. Well, you, one's no good without the other. Um, but the stuff is slowly starting to come in here, so we're starting to have. Uh, we have our first boats on display for, uh, basically, for the year. So That's- it's probably March. That's good to know. I, I hope there's some listeners out there right now who are taking note because if I'd buy early, I'd buy now. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you know, and people always feel the fear factor that the dealer is always trying to put pressure, put pressure, put pressure. We've never done that, but I would tell anybody if they're going to buy a boat, they better get in now because right now, uh, at least like with what we sell, everything's on allocation. Uh, Players units are on allocation. Uh, Alumacraft units are on allocation. So they're taking numbers of units away because they just can't build them. And, you know, we generally do over 300 Illumicrafts a year. This year we're only, as their biggest dealer, I think we're going to maybe get 240. That was a a question I had was that are you still selling at the same volume and it's just there's so many new people or is it that there's just not as many boats as you need? Well, the the supply is not, or excuse me, the, the, the supply can't meet the demand right now. And the manufacturers can't keep up they, they couldn't keep up on a normal year right now um on top of not being able to get parts and build things and whatever else so i mean there's so many different things going on you have a lot of new customers that are into the into the marine market into the atva market side-by-side market because they're reallocating funds a lot of people have chosen not to go on family vacations and fly and they've been using that money to buy boats and to buy side-by-sides to do different family things uh, it's been kind of the rolling joke. People are like, well, I don't want to spend all this money, this government money that's been handed out. Well, that's not true at all. The people that have been buying, even though they're first-time buyers, have had the money. They're just choosing to spend it elsewhere. 
Um, you know, if they go on multiple family vacations for a year, they're, they're probably not traveling now for, you know, a lot of different reasons that can be understood, you know, but, um, I really thought the last two years with the record number of sales that came through that you would see a lot of customers that are like, eh, I kind of got bored with it. I want to get rid of my boat or do whatever. And there's so many guys like, well, all these boats that are selling, I'm going to wait till the market hits a wall and I'll buy one used for cheap. It ain't going to happen. There is so much demand right now for what's coming into next year. When we generally go into November, we might have, let's say, 25 to 30 pre-sold. I looked this morning, we have 259 pre-sales going into spring right now. Wow. Uh, with an allocation of 240. I just. Well, I that's mean, not just Lumacraft. That's Lumacraft and Polaris. You know, so you get a combination of, of total sales throughout the, throughout the thing. Um, but yeah, the allocations are going to get picked over quick. And that's not just an Lumacraft thing, that's, that's industry wide. Yes. If I looked on a Lumacraft site, if you were a consumer and went on there right now, it'll tell you flat out when you go to build on that they're sold out for the year. Mm. But that's like when we went to that Dakota Dangler Ice Show. We saw that firsthand. Yeah. Otter was the only houses out there. Mm-hmm. Eskimo and Clam, it was a couple units on hand. There was a couple Markhams. There was no Hummingbird Helixes in stock for winter. I mean, it's a it's a different world right now. Yep. Do, you, do you think yep. in like five years there's just going to be a glut of used stuff because all this demand is going to get met and they're going to finally catch up and then people are going to start selling or upgrading or get sick of it? Well, you got to remember only a small percentage of the population owns this kind of equipment, you know, um, and, and I could be wrong in the number, but I, I think at one of the meetings is that they said that like the total population of Minnesota, only 12% of them own a boat. Mm. You know, that's, that's a lot of customers and people out there. You have the 12% of people or households. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to, I don't you know, I, I, I gotta lie. I'm not gonna lie. I don't pay that close of attention. It was a, it was a staggering number to the small, you know, compared to what I thought. I figured there was going to be way more boat owners than what they told us. Yeah, I feel like you see a lot of boats driving down the highway. But you yeah. but you really don't. I mean, how many people, well, other than us, own a boat that's less than 10 years old? Well, you I, do, but do you, ever, do you ever pay attention to the license plates on the ones that are driving through the states? No. From Minnesota? There's the a lot from other states. Iowa, correct. Iowa, I mean, all over. I, we have customers that come all the way from Southern California just to come fish Mille Lacs. You know, so I mean, you got you got guys from all over the United States coming to Minnesota just to fish the lakes. So you know, you think about all the boats you see on there, and I bet if you actually did a total of how many that were from Minnesota, I bet you take ten percent right off the top just for all the out of state guys that are in the in Minnesota fishing. I never thought of. I never even would think about that. Well, think about Iowa. Where's your first lake in Iowa? You know, I mean, there's yeah. a man-made lake. Where, you know. A lot of those guys that are in Iowa, you know, across the border or whatever, they travel to Minnesota and they have cabins in Minnesota where they fish. So you drag a lot of out-of-state customers into Minnesota for, for just that purpose. I guess now that you think, say that, I, I don't think I saw a single other Alumacraft FSX 185 on the highway this year. <laughs> there was plenty of them. I know that they got sold, but I don't think I, don't think I saw any more. Yeah. Maybe I had blinders on. Didn't want to see him. Up north, my my parents' neighbor across the lake has the exact same boat as mine. Well, Steve has the exact same boat as you. No, this did, guy did has see, the exact same boat. Kind of what kind of prop did he have? <laughs> That's how I figured out how to, how, what prop I needed. <laughs> you, found no. with our, you found one with our sticker on it and you checked it? There you go. <laughs> I bet it does have a can sticker on the back. <laughs> but I we actually, yeah, he's got the same color, same trailer, same everything except his tarp. This boat cover is a little gray versus black. Yeah. 
Nick, what's the service guy at McCann's name? What the the main one? Ryan. Ryan. Yes, I've I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times. He's super good to work with. He's yeah. a good dude. He knows his stuff. I wish I had three of them. Yeah. Every time I've had a question, he's been he he knows and he's like, yeah, I get I get that done for you, no problem. Yeah. It's been cool. Yep. Well, I think we should take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, I'd like to talk more about just. Um, you know, not necessarily Lacan specific, but more kind of industry wide, you know, what you're seeing for trends of things that people are buying or the types of boats people are interested in. I know this year you yeah. guys had some news about a new Sea-Doo product that looked wild compared to what I'm used to. Um, it'd be, I'll be interested to hear your opinion of what, what, what people are buying right now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back guys. Hey everybody, this is Dan from the Iceman coming to talk about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. Now is the time to be ordering your custom rod for the upcoming ice season. Make sure you go to tunedupcustomrods.com and use the promo code ICEMAN to save 10% on your purchase. Also, look for us at the St. Paul Ice Show, December 3rd through the 5th. It's getting colder, guys, and Freedom Baits are getting hotter. Check out their new hand-poured options and high-quality baits. Use the code ICEMAN to get a 10% off on your order. Also, if you're really interested in keeping your beer cold or warm right now because it's really cold outside, check out Maluna Coolers. They're handmade, or they're handmade, they're roto molded <laughs> in Brainerd, Minnesota, and use the code ICEMEN for a discount. Imagine hand making coolers. That would be hard. Ugh, that'd be horrible. I got that handmade thing stuck in my head. That's because you hand make your rods. Yeah, I, I do. A lot of complaints. <laughs> yeah, they would be all like half done. <laughs> One side is half as thick as the other side. What did I? <laughs> oh, welcome back, everybody. Nick, thank you again for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, it's been it's been fun to get a chance to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on on an industry that a lot of people have a lot of questions about. Yeah, it's it seems like it's a hot topic. I know on forums like the Lumacraft on Facebook, it's a hot topic still. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, I swear that half the people that complain about Illumicrafts don't even own an Illumicraft. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's still a vast majority of people that just complain to complain because they can behind the internet. Yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of truth to that, but you know, they, the, the company has changed hands. BRP owns them now, bought them a couple years ago, and you know, you had a little influx there trying to get some things righted, and I, I, I you know, with, with COVID and everything else, um, it's a great bolt line, and uh, I don't see a lot of the complaints I see in there. I think are more driven towards the dealerships and not, you know. And Lumacraft kind of takes a takes the blame for it. I know a lot of the complaints that I've seen have been from the same people, people yeah. who post multiple times on multiple locations about the same problem. And yeah, yeah they, they voice their opinion a hundred times over. It's one loud customer. That makes it kind of horrible, and it makes it seem like there's you know forty five alumina crafts that had leaky rivets or something. It's, no, well, it's just it's one boat. Yeah. Well, rule of thumb is somebody that's not happy is going to tell everybody. Nine people that are happy probably don't say much, right? It's, it's always yep. the, the people that aren't happy that need to be taken care of that generally voice their opinion the most. You know, they're just that's just because they haven't been taken care of so far. So, and that's where having good customer service really can pay dividends for for a product right. and for a. For a dealership, for sure. Yep, absolutely. So I was going to lead in, or I led in, I should say, at the commercial with uh, 
wanted to try to kind of find out from you what are the what are the trends in the industry right now. You know, I know that last year I got uh, pretty swept away with the new product that Lumacraft was offering, that competitor FSX, which is not really that different from a regular competitor. Is that correct? Yeah, it's very similar. The biggest difference it has jump seats in the back with the ski tow bar availability in the back, uh, which which appeals to the family. So dad gets a fishing boat, and then they also have the ability to take the kids tubing and skiing. Yeah, and I, we used all of those features. I mean, I used the jump seats. I used the ski tow pylon. Um, and But I didn't feel like, you know, there are other models that are more compromising on the fishing stuff. And this felt like a fishing boat that could do some family stuff. Right, right. And what you usually get with aluminum ski fish is you have a boat that's probably geared 80, you know, 80% towards fishing, 20% towards recreation, which is generally about the split usage for the family, you know, that's doing both. You know, they're doing more of the... More of the fishing with the family, uh, more more often than not, and then you know less recreation. But they still have the ability to do it whenever they want. So those jump seats are legit. That's like yeah. my favorite feature in my boat. Yeah, the ones yeah, a big selling point. Yeah. The, the ones in, in in my boat are a lot bigger than the ones in Steve's Trophy One Seventy Five. I'm yeah, sure Steve, that... got, Steve got shorted on a lot of things. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. I relocated my battery this fall so I could put more crankbaits in underneath my jump seats. For oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, you have you've got an interesting crankbait collection though, John. It's you, like you, a, it's like a fetish. You need to have a rowboat that you tow behind your boat to store all your baits in it. <laughs> Actually, I should keep my boat by a like a 20-footer and then tow my 17-footer yeah, yours, yours with tackle. The, your, your 175 can be the dinghy, the tackle dinghy. <laughs> Everyone has a tackle box. He has a tackle boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, you, why does it take you so long, long to launch? Uh, I have to launch my tackle first. <laughs> no, no, the plug's not in. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so what do you, th- what do you think, Nick? What is, what is the best-selling boat from the Alumacraft lineup? Well, you know, we sell a lot of, we sell equal amounts of competitors, trophies, and FSXs. So, um, numbers-wise, they're all very similar, hmm. very similar. So, uh, we sell a lot of tillers, probably most more than most of the average dealers. Our, our number one selling boats, a uh, competitor 185 tiller, uh, believe it or not. Um, but we do reach into a lot of guys from Iowa travel up. But, uh, there's a lot of dealers in Iowa. They don't sell tillers or stock tillers, and we have them. You know, so we distribute quite a few of them in the market. Do the, the tillers don't have a jump seat option, do they? No, no. Well, if you ever fish out of a 18.5 tiller, that's a that boat fish is huge compared to a windshield boat. I mean, it oh, just it, it feels like a. I mean, it feels huge. I'm sure. I always whenever I sit in a tiller, I always feel like it's going to do a wheelie though. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> hey, I made the joke. You, you laugh right you at put me. That pun, that's when you put that pontoon prop on there. And yeah, there you go. Right away. Right <laughs> well, I mean, Larry Hansen fishes that 20 foot tiller, which is it, his whole boat was my whole boat was the same size as his front casting platform. Yeah, his whole, you, can, you can dance up in his boat. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest tiller. I, yeah, that tiller's ridiculous. But then you can fish four or five people out of there, and it, you know, it's right. like a floating dock at that point with nothing to hit. But the time that I got to be the passenger in uh, a friend's dad's 185 competitor with a split windshield or with a single console up on Mille Lacs, and I had to wear my swimsuit, 
and and uh, a rain jacket in the middle of the summer when it was sunny outside. Oh, I, like, I bet yeah. you were a little toasty. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want <laughs> another windshield. No, and that's the, I mean, the fish and ski type boat is probably so popular just because, you know, wives always say, I don't want to get wet. My wife doesn't want to get soaked up. I don't want to get wet either. No. I want to be comfortable too. Yeah, they want to be able to stretch their legs and relax. The woman's making the decision nine out of ten times. So, okay, so as a trophy, because my boat, we, Dan and I always probably debate this a little bit. I, I feel like a trophy with the, you know, the wider gunnels and the, the kind of the high sides, that's mm-hmm. always, to me, is more of a walleye boat where his is a little bit more recreational because you got the side thing. But you you have rod storage, not ski storage, right? I think well, mine. Yeah, your trophy's going to ride a little better because it's got the deeper sides on it. Okay. I so, think yours is more of a big water boat. And I feel like mine is more of like a bass, musky boat type of deal. Yeah. Because I've taken my yeah. boat on some rough days. I mean, just where it's like, oh, it's five footers. Let's go out fishing. Oh, it's seven footers. Hey, maybe we should think about not drowning today. I'm going to put my life jacket on. Yeah, I mean, your boat, yeah, I mean, your boat's <laughs> not going to be invincible. It's a 17-foot boat. You're it's not it's be... invincible. Well, you haven't sunk it yet, I guess. So. <laughs> no. I'm, well, I, I got close. You got to well, that's I tell you what, that's uh, the, just the fact of what you just said about the boats aren't invincible is, is the number one problem we have with customers over the years. They think these aluminum boats can go out and run wide open speeds in three, four footers and expect the boats to hold up. <laughs> well, they just get People don't realize oh. water is super hard. Like yeah, even it's like, it's like concrete. Yeah, and now you're putting three thousand pounds behind it at forty miles an hour, you know. And and uh, it's <laughs> if there's if there's a number one dispute between customer and dealership, it's the fight of what's what's abuse and what's not, you know. Because you never want to tell a customer, you know, you're not running the boat the way it's supposed to be, but it has limitations, you know. And and that usually seems to be the one we have the, the biggest struggle with. I wonder how many of those cracked councils are from. Beating, beating it over big waves. Yeah, it's part of it, but there, there definitely has been a problem with the councils. But they, they just came out and said, uh, you know, from here on out, they're going to have three-year warranties and all the 2022s and above on the on the council. So that's a good thing. Well, that is good. So yeah, so they feel they got it figured out now. But there was definitely an issue, and I, I mean, with some of it abuse, probably you know, could it be absolutely flexing? But uh, there was more of an issue with the actual manufacturing of the councils themselves. You know, what was the most eye-opening for me though, John, was when I was on the on the boat with Brad Hawthorne. So I I took a guided trip with Brad. I don't know if you know who that is, Nick. He's a, a guide up on Malax, and we were out in his big his big boat, his twenty two footer. Yeah, twenty one foot long. That yeah, the giant, the that, big one. And sure. uh, it was um, it wasn't super rough, but it wasn't calm either. And we ran a real long distance and he never went more than 25 miles an hour. Yeah, he knows how to drive a, he knows how to drive a boat. Well, yeah. he's got a, people don't really like when we were on Mille Lacs that day when there was tornadoes and stuff, we like, I was driving like 12 miles an hour and like you'd hit the wave and you kind of like cushion down into it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was hitting pretty hard, but you can't go full throttle. That boat's going to come uh, up at 45. Hard. You just go over the top of the waves. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. You go over the top of the first one and the next one wrecks you. The next one gets you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I said to him, I'm like, oh, you know, do you always drive like this in this weather? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to break my boat. He's like, he's like, if you see other people going full bore, they're the ones who have broken boats. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, good to know. It, it, and it is true because water is pretty hard and it doesn't really flex when you hit it. But 
And that's what terrified me about when I drove a glass boat. I test drove a glass boat for a weekend um, and I hit a very large wave and I thought the boat was going to come apart, but it actually was the hull kind of flexing and it was the weirdest feeling in the world. But I'm like, I don't know if I like that feeling or not, but I didn't feel safe at it for some reason after I that. Think the, I think you tell that story, John, and there had to have been something going on there. There must have been something with that boat. That boat was so underpowered. The way that you it described it. was a 19 foot glass boat with a 150, and it was the most unpowered boat. I mean, just it was such a dog. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that experience is probably typical. Well, that's what you find when you ask about trends, is everybody's being more horsepower. You know, uh, the, the trend of maxing out the boats is, is I mean, it's everybody. Um, you know, I used to always recommend guys buying as much horsepower as they could because you don't want to come back and do it a second time. Everybody is maxing out their boats. That's one trend that is definitely happening right now. Well, I think it's not even for the, I mean, it's not to go as fast as you can. I think it's more of, so you can get on plane really quick and then right. back it off. It's almost like, you know, it's like I'm a truck that's a little bit more powerful than you need. It's kind of nice. Because you're never going to be like, oh, I bought a truck too powerful. You're never right. going to say that unless you like wrap around a tree or something because of it. <laughs> so we got the competitor in the trophy and the FSX are kind of the top. Do you feel like the FSX has eaten into the edge sales a little bit? Uh, we actually had a good year at the edge, but it, I mean, the writing's kind of the wall. The edge, the edge and the tournament boat are probably due for a makeover, um, but they, they, they're still a good selling boat. Um, I, I think there's still a need for both because uh, the edge, the edge is a little bit deeper freeboard on the side with the different gunnels. Um, it just appeals to a different group. So I mean, they, they're still selling, um, but numbers wise, you know, your tournament boat and your edges are probably the lowest percentage sales out of the lines. You know, uh, for the higher end stuff. So your your regular competitors and your trophies and um, your FSXs are by far your biggest sellers right now. Are you seeing much of a demand for the for the large, uh, you know, uh, 20, 21 foot um, bass boats, the uh, aluminum the aluminum bass boats? Yeah, not so much. Yeah, with the aluminum Vexus boats that we sell, uh, they're generally eighteen and nineteen footers. Okay. Does but, what what does Alumacraft make for a bass? Don't they have a a, a large one? Maybe they don't. Well, they don't. no, they don't. When they move, they close everything down in Arkansas. So. That's kind of one of the areas that's in flux because they're trying to build their DV. So the, the, the aluminum johns are kind of by the wayside right now. Hmm. I didn't realize that. So the Arkansas factory is not producing boats now? No. When BRP bought them two years ago, they closed down the Arkansas facility to bring everything up here to build in St. Peter. Really? I was I not aware where that. my boat was built. I bought it in 2000. Well, your boat was always built in St. Peter. Oh, because of the DV. Yeah. The. Right. The Arkansas plant was the flat bottom. Oh, ones. just the John boats. Oh, so they're not making any of the like the OD green ones and the. Yeah, the modified V's are gone altogether. Yeah, okay, they're still doing John boats. I think they're they're outsourcing them. They're not building them in St. Peter, so they're getting them elsewhere. Hmm. So, is the idea of that classic fourteen foot Alumacraft not a thing anymore? Uh, it'll be even less this year because allocations uh, for dealers they're not going to use allocated boats for. Little fourteen foot tillers, so I can imagine it'd be pretty tough to find. Because it used to be, I mean, I'll I'll date myself because I went through a couple boat purchases in my lifetime, but like a sixteen foot fishing boat back in the eighties and nineties was like the top boat, right? right? 
and right. they've become bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. I'm sure you guys, what's the trend now? I mean, is 17 to 18, and I suppose 17 and 18 and a half are the two popular, most popular ones. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I'd say 18, 18 to 20s. Uh, you know, your 17 to 18 footers, your 18 footers are definitely your biggest sellers. So every year it just gets a little bit bigger. Yeah. It's, it amazes me. I guess I shouldn't say it amazes me because I did the same thing, but there's a lot of guys out there driving trucks that are cheaper than their boats. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the you way, know, that's the way to do it. <laughs> one thing when, when things are tough, guys that are hardcore fishermen or hunters or avid fishermen, to hunt, they find the money to do the things they have passion for. So if they have to sacrifice a vehicle to get to the lake to go fishing, you know, they'll, they'll do that, you know. So it's uh, customers that buy boats are, are passionate people, right? They, they care about fishing. They care about doing things with their family. I don't think that'll ever change. So walk us through the, the Vexus lineup because that, that is a fairly new boat brand, at least as far as, I'm cons- as, far as I've, I've understood. And it's pretty different from the other glass boats out there. Well, it's got a fork front end on it, so it has a, as far as ride goes, and I've ridden a lot of fiberglass boats, and it, it takes a lot to wall me, and that boat has the most unbelievable ride in rough water that I've ever been in. Smooth, dry, it's fast. Uh, interior features, it's a sexy boat to look at. The curb appeal appeals to women, uh, appeals to men. It's laid out. Uh, the layouts are unbelievable. Um, they did a lot of time and put a lot of work and effort into the interior layouts in that boat. Did a very good job. Very good job. I, uh, from the ones that I've seen, I, I, really, the only ones I've seen up close were on your showroom floor. They seemed really large. Was yeah. that just the ones that I happened to be seeing there, or do they have them in like an 18-foot Vexus, or are they all up in the 20s? No, they're 19. No, they're, they're 20, 21, and 22, so they're, they're big water boats. Uh, so nothing intermediate or smaller, 18 or 17-foot fiberglass just yet. <clears throat> how, how much, uh, What like a 19-footer, I'm sure those are not, cheap right yeah yeah i mean you're gonna range seventy thousand not up depending on how you equip the boats so Ooh. but they're legit right i mean they're they're, they're worth that they're legit yep very very impressive boat it's gave our customers who want a little bit nicer boat than a uh, you know an aluminum craft that that just they know they have limitations on Lake of the Woods or Malax or whatever else they want to be out in rougher water. It gives us an option to upgrade our customers to a fiberglass boat that has very good quality. Are they pretty heavy? Are they challenging to tow? Uh, yeah, well, well, I mean, it's a bigger boat, you know, but it, comparable to like an aluminum boat, yeah, they're a little bit heavier. Um, but you should not have to get a different vehicle in order to tow them. You're going to go a 22-foot boat with a 400 horse. You're going to need some horsepower to move that thing around. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a large a battleship. <laughs> it's a big, yeah. I think that's what you should get, John. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, that'll be great. Let's let's launch out of Lake Edward, uh, the launch that's literally a dry You're right going to need to dredge the boat launch before you can launch yeah. that one. I, Dan always makes fun of my boat launches that I go out of because they're, so, they're such high quality. His boat launch is also a truck wash. Yeah. Usually, usually you uh, get your exhaust a little wet. And sometimes your your door's a little wet before you get into seven inches of water. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen a few of them. Yeah. I Like two weeks ago, I was up north, and they had a tournament on my parents' lake, and I have no idea how people launched. They had to push-pull their bass boats out to the weed edge, and then they could start their motors because there was zero yeah. water. Well, Mille Lacs is down over two feet. So, I mean, there's a, there's a 
Well, we were up at Lake of the Woods the first week of October up at Ballard's, and, I mean, the launches could barely get out because it was so low. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it's we need some water. Yeah, we, we need rain and rain and rain and just consistent to fill it back up. It's actually a little alarming, and no one's been – I mean, people talk about it in general conversation, but I don't think I've heard a lot of press about it. Yeah, yeah, well – you will next spring if nothing changes, that's for sure. How's that little lake behind your dealership? That that wasn't very deep in the first place. No, it's actually part of a river and it hooks up to the, it's a Cannon River that runs into Cannon Lake, but it's good for us to have the ability to go out and test new boats with customers and take them out and show them how to run things, you know, that way when they get home they at least had the comfort level to see, you know, everything worked, you know, because there's no worse phone call than a guy goes home and he, puts it in the water for the first time and he calls and said this didn't work or that didn't work at least when they know they left our store um seeing everything work there's a a little easier phone call if something goes away after the fact so yeah i was not expecting a a, a on the water ride when i picked mine up that was really neat Jeez, yeah. that was not the service that i got i went home and started wiring up my speakers because they none of them were hooked up Drove him through a puddle. Hey, <laughs> oh, we, we, we weren't saying the name. Yeah, oh, you got to beat that out. Sorry. <laughs> we weren't throwing anyone under the bus. They gave me a can of beer and sprayed it all over my boat. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. You got to bleep that one out. I don't want to badmouth a dealer. But all right. I'll, I'll bleep it. <laughs> my experience was rough. Yeah. yeah it's tough for it's tough to, tough to have a good feeling about that when it happens. <laughs> no, I felt like I kind of got flipped over and, and taken for a little bit of a ride. Yeah. Good Lord, John, you're full of uh, colorful language tonight. <laughs> be a section where it's like, beep. <laughs> okay, so then I also wanted to bring up the, the new Sea-Doo. So do you guys must be, you must carry them. But do you C-Doo. just stare at his website all day? John, it well, is, we, I've been there a lot. Is, is Dan Ping? We don't Ping? have the pontoons. You don't have them? We do not. No, we just have the watercrafts. Okay, okay. So I, I was seeing the Sea-Doo, uh, the launch coming through, but... I must have just been going from your page to the C do page to see the extra stuff. Have you have you seen these things? The switch the switchbacks is that what they're called? Switch something? Yeah, it's called a it's, a, it's called a switch. Yep, uh, it, it's it's kind of an interesting interesting concept. But I, you know, I think it'll be a, a three to five year fad if that. You know, I we own watercrafts for years, and the thing about watercrafts is they don't have a lot of reverse. You know, so when you have a jet propulsion on a pontoon like that, uh, it, you need to back up in a pontoon and give any kind of wind. It'll be interesting to see if they've done things to to help them. Um, the eye control system on them is awesome. You know, like in the watercrafts, you can maneuver a watercraft uh, right along dock like nothing, but that's not a pontoon. You know, you get a whole different animal and you have size and any type of wind and whatever else, and it's a lot bigger in size and a lot more weight. So it, it'll be interesting. I think there will certainly be a, a fit for a lot of people. You know, I, I see it as something for kids. You know, a lot of kids will get kind of in tune with that, but... It'll uh, it'll be interesting. There's certainly there's going to be a lot of people that want to see it. You know, the, the ability to change the furniture setup on the inside is intriguing. But how comfortable is it going to be? You know, and they're not cheap. Uh, I I think the introductory pricing starts in the mid 30s. Oh my gosh, really? Because they're aren't they only like 15 feet long? Yeah, yeah, they're not real big. So it'll be interesting to see if they even have any at the boat show to show. Um, I'd be kind of I'd be kind of interested in looking at them, but. Um, I don't think it's something you'll see available at Lacan's Marine someday. So, hmm. well, that's good to know. Yeah, I saw the advertisement and I thought it was a really unusual design. You've not seen this, John? No. So it's 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 a it's a jet propelled pontoon boat. It's a it's a it's a Sea Doo pontoon boat, 
but you can like you can it's it's a uh, um modular so you can like pick the seats up like they're made out of lego blocks and move them around it's very weird that sounds like something that would my kids would be screwing with all the time and it's tiny i mean you look at the the pictures they have they're not big they look like the kind of things that you see people make out of like old oil barrels <laughs> i don't know it was <laughs> for 30 grand that doesn't seem like a good value but yeah, and then your drunk buddy wants to be funny and throws one of the seats overboard. <laughs> As it sinks right <laughs> to the bottom. <laughs> that is that a, would be my luck. That would that would be the last time that drunk buddy would be on my boat. Dan, I have a question for you. Is your boat a tandem axle trailer or a single? Single axle. Okay. When do you go to tandem axle trailers, Nick? In 19th. The, 19th? 19th. Okay. Yeah. I can't. I the Some of those launches up north, I have really struggled with tandem axles, trying to get them to go around whatever tiny pavilion that they got the it yeah. just it it wrecks the parking lot more than anything i don't think it wrecks a trailer but i've had on hot days where you just destroy that fresh three foot hunk of asphalt that the city just put in yeah they sure do trailer down the road a lot nicer in single axle though. oh yeah Big difference. and if you blow a tire out it your trailer doesn't come apart right you got I, a little i time. knew that i couldn't do double x because i have to maneuver it into the garage so right. I have to unhook it and, and push it around. And oh, yourself? Yeah, you. that's a little harder. That wouldn't be doable. No. Nope. But the one that I have came with um, brake, not not true disc brakes. I, I, uh, I don't oh. even know what you'd, how you describe them, but they're not surge brakes and they're not disc brakes either. Like they work, I don't even know how that works, how to explain it. Nick. Maybe I'm obviously not doing a good job at it, but. Well, it's a surge system. So you have a your your new your new boat has a surge brake caliper on it, and it is actually disc brakes. So, when <laughs> so surge, everything you said so is wrong. I was completely wrong. Okay, this, yeah. Nick, I'm <laughs> super yeah. glad you sold Dan a boat because some of the information that he gets is just wrong. Yeah. Well, what I meant well, by that was that my salesman didn't explain uh, how his trailer brakes worked and what they were when he left. So yeah, I, I'll be on the next podcast getting bashed. I knew I knew that. Okay, so uh, yes, I I obviously was. You, you are already <laughs> fishing at there. this point in the sales process. He's like just signing stuff. Guy's like, here's how the surge brake works. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a surge brake. It's not a disc brake. So, okay. So here's so here's my my lack of understanding. But I, I my trailer brake control does nothing. So if I squeeze the trailer brake control, it doesn't access the brakes. So they're not, they're it's not, not electric brake. It's not electric brake. That's surge brake. When I said disc brake, I meant it's not electric. And I've right. never had a surge brake before, but I always, when I heard a surge brake, I always thought that that was the thing where if the trailer breaks free, it just locks it up so it doesn't keep going down the road and kill the kid in, across the lane. Yeah, you have a breakaway cable for that, but your surge system is every time you hit your brakes, the, the trailer pushes into your vehicle and the coupler compresses and what it does is engage your disc brakes at that point. So, yeah, as well, it, as it surges forward into your vehicle, it slows down. That makes sense. Right. So if you brake really, really slow, you never use your brakes. Well, what I have well, noticed the disc, the disc brakes are pretty sensitive. So really? I've noticed it, how helpful it is. It. it I was wondering about that because my boat, even my dad, he drove my truck, and he's like, "This is like driving a Ferrari compared to pulling his boat." I mean, it's just you brake and everything breaks so smooth and. I, I felt a lot more in control with this boat than I did with the Bayliner driving. It. So <laughs> I was this, like, it's just the, in general. <laughs> the, sur the surge brakes, now that I know that they're called surge brakes, are very good. I'm happy with them. Nothing was ever scarier than when Dad got that boat. Um, and we were towing it with a minivan. We were going out to 
Lake Minnetonka and the, his old boat, the four winds. Yeah. Yeah. The four winds and the first one. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the used one that we got. Yeah. And, uh, we had some pedestrians run across the road and he had to lock up the brakes and that, that boat was pushing the minivan from behind. It was was terrifying. Probably more than the minivan did. That's why. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we he my dad doesn't exactly follow the whole uh, <laughs> recommended gross vehicle weight. To, yeah, he's he, like, I got a van, I got a boat. We're going fishing. Let's has, go. It has a trailer hitch, so it, it can tow trailers. Doesn't matter what trailer it is. Yeah, he still does that, but that's terrifying. It's not the best. It was very scary. It's not about the vehicle weight. It's about the braking ca- capacity of the vehicle usually and and like the actual weight of the vehicle it's kind of kind of be balanced yeah it turns out that those numbers that they put on the door are are real important somebody actually spent some time with a calculator to figure i'm not going to say anything because i towed a car hauler with a toyota 4runner from detroit michigan and back how was your transmission when you were done uh fine actually what wrecked the transmission is i i'll tell this now but my brother and i were doing donuts at the boat launch and i ran into a snowbank and i broke the radiator so I mixed the coolant and transmission fluid together and had drove for like a month. And then the coolant, like the transmission started slipping like crazy because it was kind of this weird ice cream, chocolate milk ice cream look in his radiator. <laughs> oh, he was real mad about that. No, transmission survived amazingly, but yeah. You guys ever see that Facebook post where it's like uh, moving a, a mobile home? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it's like, I just spent $5,000 to get my mobile home moved. And then this guy spent $150 and they took a picture of a guy towing an entire mobile home with a U-Haul. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, well, it's your problem now. Uh, well, what I was, the point I was trying to make is the trailer is great. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, we, I upgraded the trailer and I was happy that I did that. Now do most, <coughs> I, I'm sure do most 18 fives come with, surge brakes but do 17 fives come with surge brakes they can come either way but okay. we generally the trailers we order one for stock we have the brakes right on them okay would it be cheaper to get a trailer without surge brakes and then put electric brakes on them electric brakes are expensive and the problem is they're not really good back in the water oh okay mm. that makes sense yeah my trailer is always completely submerged <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> mine sure too i'm sure there's a lot of places that use them in the winter time a lot of guys fish the river when it's 20, 30 degrees, and you think they have more issues with electric brake actuators and the cold than they do with the surge. You know, so that's why all the dealers in Minnesota stock surge, but you can generally get them with electric also. I don't know that I would, I don't know that it would be better to have electric. I don't know. I've, I've been very happy with my, well, like I felt my, very controlled. My new truck that's, that I'm waiting on has the same issues that you guys have on supply stuff, but it has an electric brake controller. So I was just curious yeah. what, what would be better? I've yeah. only used an electric bike controller a couple times with my truck because I've only hauled a few trailers with true electric brakes. Right. Yeah. You're all, you got to be hauling a pretty big load to really require the electric brakes. Yeah. Or, know, or a really small truck. Boats, right. So I used it. Stuff is, surge is just fine. I used it pulling an RV or, or a, a trailer home yeah. and, and pulling an ice castle. And the brake, I mean, brakes on a trailer make a big difference. Uh, I I haul a car hauler full of cars, which is not recommended for a Ford EcoBoost, especially when the trailer I think weighs as much as my truck, and you that you had to have that brake controller up because otherwise I was going through every intersection. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, makes it a lot more comfortable. Yeah, 
Well, Nick, I think uh, I think this has been really good. It's been it's been good. Yeah, we hear. learned how surge brakes work. I've learned things. This has been good for me. Dan's uh, drum and hat uh, surge brakes that he didn't have a clue that were on his trailer. <laughs> I knew what the system did. Hey, I just it, didn't know the name of unplug it. Unplug your trailer and try to back it up, and you'll find out how those brakes work. It won't work. let you. I know, I know it won't let you. No, I, I I knew I knew how they worked. So yes, Dan did a good job. Uh, Nick, you can you don't don't uh, blame Dan on the sale. What are you talking about yourself in the third person? The salesman. No, the salesman. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> did you all of a sudden switch to? I would love to say his last name, John, but I'm not comfortable that I would say it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. What is it? Sil- silky or silky? Uh, silky. Silky. Yeah. yeah. You you would have bur- butchered that. I would have done it wrong, and I've I've got a history of saying the names wrong. Dan Silkworm. <laughs> Dan, no, Dan Silky is awesome. I'm just kidding. if anyone wants to buy a boat, give Dan a call. Give give Nick a call too. Give both of them a call. Yep. Just call the cans. Mm-hmm. That's the answer, and that's what you're going to do, right, John? I that's maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll start thinking about it. We'll go to the boat show. Talk to my wife. Get my equity out of my boat. Apparently, boats are appreciating in value for the first time ever. You could trade well, you it in. Just- you guys can just do a podcast at the boat show. Oh, yeah. We should do that. That sounds like a great idea. We can sit in the boat and drink beer Ooh. with helmets on. <laughs> or with these uh, earmuffs, not helmets. Sorry. <laughs> we get those beer helmets. I'm all for I'm it. for that. Let's do it. With a headphone attachment. Yeah. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Nick. We appreciate you being here. Um, John. Thank you for here. answering all my weird boat questions. Yeah. No, you bet. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody, we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Hopefully it's coming out next week again, I think, guys. I think we yep. can do that again. I think we can, and we really should talk about the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. December 3rd through the 5th. I'm very excited to see every one of you. Yes. Exactly, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Have a great night.